Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast is serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are the Dwarven DM, John Christian. Molly Hogan. The Majestic DM, Troy Sandlin. Majestic now? Hello! Hang on, just some dude named the Dwarven DM, the Majestic DM, uh, yes. Troy Sandlin. One of, well, that's, that, one of that's our... Fine. That name came from on high. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Majestic. Or, 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 or down low. Down low. Yeah, I think down low. Yeah. Down low. Yeah. In, the, uh, in the underworld. <clears throat> uh, and then uh, we also have a special guest with us. Um, he's been on before. So he's uh, one of our few. He's in the elite crowd who are the triumphant <laughs> return, right? Yes. Tony, thank you so the much. Survivors. For doing uh, yeah, the survivors. Yeah, the survivors. Yeah, thanks for having come me back on. For more punishment. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, Tony, you have. Uh, <clears throat> last time we talked was during Zine Quest, mm-hmm. and um, I think between your like awesome daily live streams of all sorts of interviews and playthroughs and like, all sorts. I mean, and then you also had like a roundup where you just kind of like walked through what had launched that day right and how things were doing yeah i covered probably 280 ish of the almost 400 projects that launched during zine quest in some way shape or form over the course of the 20 how many how many days were there 28 29 days of zine quest yeah the if you count the preamble and the post amp yeah just it was it was a lot uh so you you just kind of like we're the consistent player and we kind of dove in, dove out and kind of made a mess of things. I think, <laughs> but they call those so... sane people. They call those, uh, okay. Those okay. Sane and well-reasoned individuals. And well, stuff. I like, there's a first time for everything. I like being called sane. Um, we had a blast. Uh, Zing yeah. quest is the highlight. Uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I, I know cause we've been in the same sorts of groups, I think at least somewhat, but there's so many connections that you can make during a community event like that Mm -hmm. just within the community and it's really cool uh for me to get to see like people seeing their projects not just get funded but now come to life and come into people's hands and people are posting and saying like i got my my book and and the the writer is commenting and saying like oh i hope you like it and i'm like this is the best feeling right here this is yeah yeah just awesome so we brought you on for a couple things tonight. First and foremost, you have your next a magnificent beard. Live. Well, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> First and foremost. First and foremost, got to give props where props are due. Fair enough. Uh, but you also have a project that's live on GameFound, and uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. And then you also, I-, I felt like it might be appropriate to like bring you on as we do like a quick roundup of some of these zine projects that have been rolling through um because they're starting to gather on my front porch and in packages and bundles and uh yeah we got to show them off right that, that's part right. of the fun so uh do you want to i know you've got a stack in front of you i've got a stack do, do you want to talk about one or two of the ones that you uh got excited about recently uh, yeah, I got one today. I'm actually the first person who it's arrived for. I do know for a, a fact, um, and that is Patchwork World by Aaron King, uh, which is this game right here. Whoa. I don't, I don't know that this was like a ton of. This is one of my most anticipated. Oh. 
Um, it was one of my one of my top ten. Um, since then, I have played it, and it is I would say without hesitation, it is in my top three games of all time. Uh, oh, it wow. might be my favorite game of all time. Uh, it is a classless PBA t- PBTA uh, system um, that uses the Pasión de Pasiones uh, process of instead of having like stats, you ask questions that help establish fictional positioning and a little bit of role play to give you bonuses before you roll your 2d6 and see where on the band you end up. But the the moves are absolutely gorgeous, absolutely uh, brilliant. Um, and uh, Amanda Lee Frank did some of the art, um, but you've just got a ton of awesome awesome different very very different moves that let you kind of build out your own class it's also really easy to incorporate any other pbta move into the game and just kind of suck Mm -hmm. it in so if there's another pbda system you like uh, you could easily pull the moves in so it might be things like diploma when you commit a faux pas and you want to be forgiven mark one stress and roll with the questions is this your first mistake with these folks and have you brought gifts each of which could give you a bonus but you also might have things like a magnificent weapon or be doubled body or your grandma's ghost might be following you around you're a vessel for your grandmother's spirit your grandma was a troll witch pirate pugilist or something else when you take this move choose an additional move that your grandma has assign her a separate goal when your hex meter fills or when you roll minus uh, six or minus your grandma might take over she can use her default moves um, and her moves uh, you can spend experience to teach her moves. She'll relinquish control only when she teaches you humility, helps you find love, gains vengeance on her enemies, eats her favorite foods, or wor- and or you can work with the other players to write your own. Um, and so it is. A, it's an absolutely phenomenal game. We've played it. Uh, we've played it once on stream, but I have a character who I've been forcing Aaron anytime they appear on somebody else's stream to drag me along with them. And so I have the most leveled up character in patchwork world to date uh because uh herman the boy from over there has played on four streams now and we're going to play amanda lee frank's vampire cruise using patchwork world soon oh, um oh the other one that i am most excited about right now i just got skull box i could talk about that uh because it's amazing but i'm actually going to talk about uh where the weeds grow tall this just came in from exalted funeral uh and this yeah. is evelyn moreau's game and it is uh, a great little osr agrarian adventure about that's inspired by a lot of like uh, i want to say polish though it could be middle european uh, folk tales uh the poltnoviks have lived on a farm for generations once their field fields prospered with the helps of the sisters but old war bonds uh, are broken and gates are sealed taboos are stronger uh, than the wall behind the old tree but history lingers in this family's uh, farm in recent days though things have changed and it goes through each of the family members uh, what's changed and it's just this this great kind of osr system but uh, elliot's art is just absolutely phenomenal uh, let me see if i get a good mix of yeah there stuff. You go. But it's just really this really strong line style um and the whole book is absolutely gorgeous i just saw it the other day uh in the exalted funeral mock-up but it's got this great kind of gold green uh look to it and uh it's a great osr s- s- like adventure set around this family's farm where all kinds of things are are going wild so um Very you know cool. uh, i've i've gotten eight or nine shipments this week from zine questions so uh i got a lot coming in yes there's a lot of great ones oh my goodness uh, uh those are two that i don't i did not lay my hands on so you'll have to send me or we'll have to post some links so that those like myself can feast um where you're feasting <clears throat> 
Now, John, you, you also have a couple that you want to run by, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple. Uh, yes, for me, uh, we've talked about a couple of them already, but I, I don't mind giving them a spotlight again. One of those that I was super excited about was from uh, S. John Bateman, and that was Knights of the House of Mars. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, get out of here. The artwork in it is... I love this artwork, man. It's like... It's, Really, That's really Gojito layout like, right there, and it's and it's super. I mean, it's it's really tight, right? The the uh, there's not a, a ton of text to it, right? It's really really tight, but at the same time, it's it's open ended in in regards to the play. Just tons and tons of uh, role play opportunity and kind of this really nebulous uh, use of traits, gifts. Uh, and using dooms and fates in order to run the game, as opposed to a lot of die rolls. There is a, a, an accompanying uh, deck of cards that comes with this, so most of the play actually happens through the use of cards that are drawn, as opposed to like a, a deck of playing cards, as opposed to uh, rolling dice. So uh, I love it. Just it's the, it reminds me of like a like a more dystopian version of a John Carter of Mars kind of thing, with a with the sensibilities of. If it were me, I would probably wouldn't have been surprised if this had been like Boris Vallejo hadn't mm. done some uh, some artwork for this at some point or another. Just because it's it's got that very uh, low f fantasy sword and sorcery sci fi vibe going for it, and it's uh, it's super open ended. Uh, there's a there's a uh, how do you say it? There's there are the the smatterings of an adventure in here, but a lot of it is like here's kind of the idea. Go for it from there, right? And they've, uh, but yeah, so I really dug that one, uh, and a lot of the times like the the artwork is really evocative and really important for me to kind of get into like whatever the themes are of the of the the play and the story mm -hmm. and stuff like that for me to really get into it. So on that same track, the second one that I had that I was really excited about that I I'd, I'd pull out here is, uh, dude. I'm going to go back to this one over and over again. That's t Tomb of Immolation. Get out of my face. I, this artwork oh, it's so is awesome. just, dude. It's like, what I expect, I'm, I'm sad that there isn't like an Iron Maiden CD strapped to this thing. Or no, no, an, an Iron Maiden cassette tape strapped to this thing because, uh, oh my God, this feel, this is so metal. This is OSR, very, very tasty OSR. It's got, the, it's got 5E in it also. Man, this line art is just. Okay, let me get, let me get a, a really good one here. This line art is really is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's just it does. I mean, like for those that are you know that that are not seeing this, I'm very very sad for you because the artwork in this thing is absolutely stellar. Layout's really good. Um, and that artwork's like. Michael, Michael Harmon, that's right. Michael, Michael Harmon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah. Michael Harmon did the artwork, and then uh, Billman, Muv, and uh, Sean uh, Frackowick uh, did the uh, some of the editing, scribing, and layouts and stuff like that on this one, too. So, And uh, they actually have a, I don't know if it's live right now, about to go live, or just finished. They did a Tiny Dungeons version of it, uh, is either coming yeah. up or just finished on Kickstarter. Which well, I mean, that was another one. That I, I got in late on the Tiny Dungeons train uh i did not get in on the actual zine for that but i as soon as i went a friend of the show janine that that ran some tiny dungeon for us tiny cthulhu actually pretty recently and i've fallen in love with that system just how like it's so gossamer you know it's not it's not worried about all the like the like the 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 details of crunch and the numbers and you get so caught up in all of that it's really 
just like just, it, it it flows so really really well and it's so simple in the in the design that I ended up getting she gave me her copy of Tiny Cthulhu a copy of it and I went and bought Tiny Dungeon like the after, right after that weekend picked it up from drive through so yeah it's rad yeah Sweet that's uh rad. those are those are my two picks I I I'm, I'm a I don't know what it is. Like I was, I was a kid, and my I remember going to my brother's room, and my brother would always read. He was reading when I was like six or seven years old. By that time, he was reading Conan, and had like Eddie of posters on his wall, and Wasp, and ACDC, and stuff like that. So when I went into his room, it was like going into the heavy metal like movie. It freaked me out a lot when oh, I was a yeah. kid, and it was also super forbidden. Don't go in my room, a hole was a lot of what I heard from my brother. Don't go in my room. And I would totally go into his room and steal all of his crap. And then uh, I'd get into trouble for it. But uh, like, so this kind of stuff though, I was, this is like that same mystique and that like, it's not a taboo necessarily, but it's kind of like a, I don't know. As a kid, it was something, there was something that was really evocative about it as a kid. And it's imprinted on me. So I, those are the kinds that I really, really gravitated towards this time around. Sweet. Well, I'm going to talk about uh, two um, that one that just came in and one that's been a couple weeks now. Uh, but the one that just came in is Low Life. That this one is. I felt like it. We talked about back in February how stunning it was presented. Like that's mm-hmm. the reason I backed it. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't even know if I was going to use this sucker, but the the beauty of the presentation got my money. Um, and now it came in, and that presentation carried through into a gorgeous um on point um consistent 36 paging um it's got a ton of tables it's all about uh, tunneling and caving spelunking things like that it's got just a lot of things that you can drag and drop into your into any rpg that you have in that sort of system um the artwork in it is all in this like uh two or three color presentation of like a light tan a dark brown and a blue just gives a unique feel across the whole thing um the other aspect that i really appreciated about it and this is by sam uh sorensen sorensen yep sorensen Mm -hmm. um i did not realize and probably i just wasn't paying attention but the zine actually came with a really fun like a two-sided little dungeon um that's all sketched out and funky and then it also came with a trifold dungeon as two little extras and boy oh boy i like extras um and i also just like seeing like what can you do that's different right like we get we all do zines and we all love zines but what do you have tied to your zine that makes you stand out and i was beyond thrilled for these two little pieces of paper so anybody who's listening sam is absolutely someone to watch right now so did low life which we're actually going to be playing on stream using down we go sunday afternoon uh with sam uh, nice. cool. And so, yeah, they're going to come run run low life for us. And then uh, we've um, we played Sea of Sands, which is a desert, uh, not a zine, but a book that he had come out yep. uh, just a couple of months ago on stream. And just phenomenal experience. Great, great toolkit system creator there. Uh, really accomplished designer. Has great thoughts about all kinds of things. But the toolkit work they're doing for OSR spaces right now are just all so creative, evocative, and so easy to use. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think we all kind of got similar vibes when he popped on oh, our yeah. little interview back then. Like, he just he's confident in what he's doing, and that confidence fr- comes from like mm-hmm. true know-how. 
Um, so yeah, love that book. Uh, that's the sort of book I was talking about this with someone else uh, the other day. That's the sort of book that when I get it in, it triggers something in my brain and it says like anything that Sam puts out in the future, I will buy. Right. Like it doesn't even, he doesn't have to sell me anymore. He, this one project got me and now it's just a auto purchase from here on out. So, yeah. Um, the other book that I'm going to talk about is kind of, uh, on the other end of the popularity spectrum, I would say, uh, I think that's a fair statement. Um, but we had the guys on from stories from the slough, um, yeah. a couple of, uh, I'll, I'll call them yahoos in a loving, like, uh, uh, brotherly way because they're from my neck of the woods actually. Um, but stories from the slough is with, by James Andrews and Kent, uh, Wilmeth. And it is a 5E, but kind of a loose 5E, more just system neutral venture into a slough or swamp. And it's designed around a hex crawl map and where each hex is a very unique experience. Um, uh, I believe Kent was the artist for every single piece in this book. And he's got this great art style that's kind of like poppy, cartoony. The book is like a monochrome white and dark green. Um, and uh, they were just a delight to talk to. Lots of lots of character. And they did such a good job um, with their Kickstarter that they actually hit a stretch goal that unlocked another zine, which was a monster manual for their slough. Um, and that came free to all their backers and it's pretty stinking rad, right? We have things like, um, the tadpole king and the slough maid, uh, the Scarehead and the serpent queen, the noodle hydra, the rattler bandit, uh, the miasma crab, just a bunch of fun creatures. Um, and the cool thing that I like about these guys, um, is that they were very can do when they came into our show and they printed as far as i understand and we we kind of talked back and forth afterwards but they printed all these at home and hand stapled all of all of their books and mailed them out themselves so poor bastards poor 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 <laughs> souls but also like it's kind of it makes them a little bit i don't know like not that any of these books aren't special but there's a special feeling knowing that like somebody's hand went ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Well, it's, right, yeah. it's that handcraft yeah. element to it, right? So everybody, they touched this. It wasn't some printer and then it went into a box or an envelope immediately after that. Yeah. Someone lovingly uh, mm-hmm. cobbled these things together. Yeah. yeah also you know what, it, it, what it feels like, it's, yeah. it's very garage band. Yes, you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's Wozniak working out of his garage kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, exactly. They sent me a big poster too, which I love. Like it had their whole hex map, which uh, they had, which they had put all these little great details in. Anyhow, it's just a really delightful project. Stories from the Slough. Um, those are my two. Troy, do you have any to round us out here? Uh, I've got, I yeah, like you guys, I got a bunch that came in, but a lot of minor PDF because I, I just mm-hmm. like PDF kind of things. But uh, some of those, some of those other Yahoos we were talking about, we got EverShift. Yeah, from, yeah. From some Drifters that Atlas action. Art. Yeah, that. The, I mean, man, I just love the color. The, the it's c- so. It is so good as as a cool little adventure. I mean, check that out. Yeah, you can see that. 
Troy's showing yeah, you a picture of a dragon. A four-armed, it's, it's really, it's really a four-armed sad, demon dragon with horns and everything. Uh, it's sad because if it looks good, I'll probably end up buying it, which is really sad. It could be hot garbage on the interior. Oh, yeah. Luckily, this is not, oh, oh loyal oh. listener. It is not. But uh, it could have been. It, 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 it could have been. It very much could have been. Right now, that somebody's Zine Quest 4 projects, good-looking hot garbage. Like, go ahead, just <laughs> write that down and start working ooh, on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go with that. <laughs> go with that. Stamp that one. And the other one, uh, it came from the message board. Yeah, we got to talk about Thomas real quick here. Yeah, I got to talk about our, our, our friend Thomas and his, and his buddy um, Brett. But this is—it's uh, all about like you know the message board you see, you know you, you see in uh, your fantasy towns. It's got it's got like the actual posting that you would put on the board, and then the the the, the next page is the adventure itself has whatever monster might new monster might be involved in it um stuff like that so it's real quick if uh if you're running to a game and a bunch of players can't show up or you got some new players coming in and you need something you grab something like this and it fits you're in town you pull the notice off the board and you go on the adventure and mm-hmm. the a dm can can grab this and just and riff and yeah. go and let think let's see what happens the deluxe version of that book will have like perforated pages and you'll tear it out. Right. Like that's, that's my dream. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a fun idea that Thomas, I mean, that's a, that's a Thomas original right there as far as, yeah. but like the idea of like each page is the visual handouts on one side and the mini quest on the other. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's just a packet full of them. Um, and anyhow, I just, I really well, like it takes that. The best parts of the, the, like the one page dungeon, Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a one page like mini quest. Yeah, right? a, a one so page dungeon, and you get the adventure all on with the same a, with, page. Yeah, with a cool handout. And yeah. the cover art, it is, it is picture like the best artist in your high school that liked to draw comic book style stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a group of adventures around the message board line art. There's no like shading or anything like that. It is. Strictly, you know, pencil line kind of kind of thing, but it looks quality. I mean, there mm. is quality. It is. I'm going to be the weirdo. It, it I'm going to be the cool. weirdo on the on the podcast here for a second. It feels good too. It does. It does. <laughs> it's velvety. It feels good. Like the the hand soft. feel on this thing and the ever shift, like whatever the soft tough limit. Soft touch. Yeah, whatever, soft it, touch. whatever it is you're doing, don't stop, baby. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be the naysayer. I love the feel of soft touch, but it picks up oils so much more, and they're so oh, yeah. visible. Yeah. I'd rather just go with a high quality, uncoated like gloss well, yeah. for my don't for my non money. <laughs> mine's going to be dirty velvet then. Dirty velvet. <laughs> I like it. That, uh, listen, that's another Zine Quest Four uh, product. Right. Dirty Velvet. Right Dirty, yeah. Velvet. Dirty Velvet. Yeah. Just, the, that's, that's just the stretch goal of good-looking hot garbage. I was going to say, is it the stretch goal of the sequel? It's, it's, it's part two. It's part two. Oh, my God. Hang on. i got to write this down somewhere. Yeah. We'll forget this. <laughs> but I have something else I would like to talk about as far as Kickstarters go. We mentioned this in one of our our. Well, we've only had three. Uh, The second crowdfunding corner, um, and this one just went live today as of this recording. 
puzzles and props, the one that I was yeah. geeking out about, for the, the 3D printing stuff, they are more than funded at yeah. this point. Um, I'll a- tell you what, as much as I've seen them, look, Facebook's algorithm is just, it wants to steal all of my money because every time, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I'm already sold, man. I'm already, like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it, like a tiger in the reeds for their Kickstarter to go live. Mm-hmm. And that's all I see is bing, 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 like constantly. So I'm sh- shocked that they don't have, because I think as, as of right now, it's like a 1,000 or 1,100 backers right now, mm-hmm. yeah. something like that. I'm shocked that it's not double that at least. Oh, I mean, and this is just the first day, though. I mean, did, did you watch the video? Yes, I loved the video. It was even that was even cool. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Suffice well, well, it back, to say, what? We'll back up for half a moment because uh, we we jump we, we we put our cart before our horse here, right? Usually. We're talking about pu- we're put yeah yeah part of the course, right? But we we're talking about puzzles and prompts, which is basically a crew that not so subtly slid in and did STL modeling. For a bunch of magic items that you would find in like the Monster mm-hmm. Manual and classic D and D products, right? Like all the figurines of Wonder's Power, a lot of the ring, classic rings, mm-hmm. things like that, right? Um, so when yeah. you back it, you're getting basically all of these different 3D printer elements yep. that you yep. can then you're getting print the STL out. files for mm-hmm. for these things. And this is done by the people uh, behind uh, the printing goes ever on. Okay. Uh, they mm, have a, okay. uh, a Patreon, and they do really cool minis um, every month for that. And these are just like, like you said, rings and wands. And they've even got uh, an, an, an ocarina. They've got pan flute. They've got a sham. Listen, yeah, I saw the sham today. Um, the, and and the puzzles. If you watch the video, you see one of the puzzles in action. Mm-hmm. And they actually work. You twist the dials, to, and you have to get to the right thing, and for the puzzle to open. They've got several of those, and they've got some fun items in there as well. One being the monkey's paw. Yeah, I saw that. I love it. I love it. it I, I love mean, it. it's just so cool. And then, and then they've got some some other little add-ons that you can do, like uh, goblin ears. Mm-hmm. And, and and things of that nature, dragon scales, got coins and things like that yeah. too. Dwarven coins, elven coins, different like uh, spherical puzzle boxes, and like yeah, they did yeah, a good job of oh yeah, they did a good job of thinking about what sort of props your players would actually have find value in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the tricky bit. Is as a DM, is I love all the bits and bobs, right? Mm-hmm. Even like going into like a hobby lobby and I'm like, oh, I want that glass bottle and that yeah. whatever, right? Uh, that vase or that little box or but any whatever. Um, but my players probably aren't going to get as excited about it as I am. And also, do I have a one to one for what this is actually going to do? I have had a red glass bottle sitting in one of my D&D boxes because I saw it at a hobby lobby like eight years ago. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do something with that. And it has sat in a box for the last eight years. Yep. You know what? There's not that many uses for a red, tiny bottle in D&D. And what, but when what I like about it, this, yeah, when I need it, it, it's there. But mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I know for a fact that some of my players already have some of these items. And if I show up mm-hmm. to the table and say, here, here's a representation of the item that you already have in your backpack, 
they will flip out. So, Matt, okay, so part of what I love about this, too, is like it's a physical representation of a MacGuffin can possibly yeah. be incorporated into this. Yes, that too. Like yeah. the Ring of Winter in Storm King's Thunder. Right. Mm-hmm. If you had a, rep- a physical representation of that thing, and you they got the players got their hands on it at some, at one point, the player characters got their hands on it. Being able to like slide that across the table at a really dramatic moment would be absolutely stellar. Uh, that or would, uh, or even better mm-hmm. when you say, and they run away with it. And you take it. <laughs> and then you just slowly drag it yeah. over the top of your DM screen and just drop it out of sight. <laughs> no, well, I, I've man, I've you. We've talked about this before. I've, I've, yeah. I have been so excited to see not just you know how much it was going to cost and what you know what are all the the bits and pieces and bobs and stuff of it, but really more than anything else, just like what all they had available. Okay. You've got the core set that has like 30 different STL files of kind of like the basics, right? But the the all the like the whole enchilada is what over 100 STLs. Over 100. Holy yeah. moly. And it's we're not talking about like break the bank here either. This is a these this is a very reasonable price to pay for that many STL files to me. And then they even have there's another component about it that I wasn't expecting and that's the customizable yep. component of this. Yes. That right? is brilliant. Uh, you can you can uh, customize the rings. You can put mm-hmm. etchings in them. Uh, once you once they hit those stretch goals, anyway, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're going to hit those no problem. Uh, you can customize all kinds of things. You can turn some of these into pendants, uh, mm-hmm. pins. Uh, you can modify some of the weapons that are in here. Uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot of possibilities. I went. I went all in, and for those of you out there that don't have a 3D printer, just you wait because they have a merchant license, and I bought it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got mine too. Just I won't I won't use it as a merchant license, but as a hobbyist and as a, just a DM that is I'm blessed enough to be able to have a 3D printer now, and just the 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 casual in the group as usual. I'm, John is still the casual casual, casual 3D mm-hmm. printer. Uh, and failing at every single turn, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I will, <laughs> by God. <laughs> uh, that's actually one thing that I w- did want to mention, too, is like they've got fantastic options for supported and uh, and uh, for prints that don't require supports. I, was like, and I love that and appreciate that so much because it makes my job easier whenever I'm printing these things out. Uh, it helps with you know resin costs and all that good stuff, too. So... And it's like there's such a the vast uh, array of items that are represented. They have pretty much every single one of the wondrous items that are uh, uh, represented. Tons of rings. They got the puzzle boxes. I saw in there, wasn't there like a wand of fireballs or something Mm -hmm. like that was in there? There's a circlet of blasting, a headband of intellect that was on there. It just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. and then they had like an origami. Uh, Origami bird. Origami Uh, bird. Feather tokens. Yeah, yeah, call yeah. yeah the feller t- for the tokens. The, the token, the coins were really cool. Coins it makes cool. me wish back that like back in 2020 when we were at Winter Fantasy that we had like some kind of like the soul coins would be really mm-hmm. awesome. Somebody yeah. printed a soul coin at oh. Winter Fantasy, and they said according, I guess it's in the book. It tells how big a soul coin is. Mm-hmm. The thing was this big around. 
And probably about that. Th- I mean, yeah, about that thick. Yeah. But uh, regardless, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Some of so us have much cool stuff than others, buddy. True. True. Like thick, T H I C C souls. Thick souls. Yeah. So I just, I just want to talk about that before we get into yeah, yeah. What we're going to talk about. So Zach, take it away. Okay. Well, hey, listen. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But Tony, we brought you in here for a reason, and and. That was reason enough, but but um, you you have you know charted new waters by stepping into GameFound, um, and I we want to hear about that. We want to hear about down we go. We want to hear about everything that you got cooking on there. But first, can you? We probably should have done this beforehand, but I felt so familiar with you at this point that I didn't even think about it. Could you give our listeners like a brief introduction to uh, the Beard Alchemist? Yeah, hi, my name is Tony Vicinda. I'm Chief Alchemist over at Plus One EXP, and we're a weird little brand that multi-classes in tabletop game design, beard and skincare alchemy, and the Bardic College of Content Creation. Our hope and desire as a brand is to help amazing players find great designers whose games they can love and help amazing designers find great players who love their games. We do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes it's through designing our own games and connecting with people who want to play them, uh, which we're going to talk about tonight. But a lot of the time it's through doing short reviews or actual plays with those designers over on our Twitch and YouTube channel, which we're coming up right under a thousand subscribers right now. We're at like 953. Yeah. So if you want to help us get over the hump on that, head to plus one exp. Uh, sorry, no, youtube.com slash plus one exp. Uh, but yeah, so we do a lot of different things. Uh, we also do make bespoke, uh, alchemically inspired beard bombs that uh, are each inspired by the traditional uh, tabletop role playing stats of strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Uh, uh, you can find all that on our website at plus one exp. Um, so yeah, I'm just a weirdo who does tabletop stuff uh, in uh, you know all the time. You're our weirdo though, so yeah, I'm your mm-hmm. weirdo. Yeah. yeah, and you had so. me a beard. So. <laughs> you had me a beard, and you never let go. Yeah. Uh, that was our first beard. game that ever like the the brand existed. Originally, we were just going to launch the beard bombs, and then one of my friends was like, "Can you make uh, like a two to four page RPG that we could?" give to people in exchange for their emails so we can market at them later. And I said, absolutely. And then that was the first RPG I ever made. Uh, I'd made some board games. I had mm. made a bunch of pro-social games because I have a background in outdoor education uh, and group formation. Uh, but that uh, that kind of launched us into the board game space. And then over the course of the last year, we started doing a lot of content creation for other people uh, with that as well. And so Beards and Beyond dropped last February. Repugnant we funded uh, in um, in ZineQuest 3. Uh, and then iToaster, our brave little toaster-inspired OSR system, mm-hmm. dropped over on Exalted Funeral this summer uh, directly to them. Uh, and uh, if you got it the first time around and you're like, man, it seems like there should be four more pages is uh, on them. I'll let you know. You've got a collector's item in front of you. Email Exalted Funeral and they will send you a replacement that has the last four pages on it also, too. Uh, but it is a phenomenally fun uh, RPG where you take on the role of small appliances in a big world, just trying to make it through the day and keep your owner uh, taken care of. And then right now we're funding Down We Go over on GameFound. Right on. Awesome. Brave Little Toaster RPG. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I toaster kind of... Uh, you're... you're it's it's in, been interesting to see you exploring these different formats of release, right? Like mm. Exalted Funeral for people don't know is this great like I don't know how you describe it, Tony, but it's like this one-stop hub for all all things zine RPG related. 
Yeah, so they do, um, you know, I would say anything weird. It's really funny because I'm like extensively part of the Exalted Funeral family now. We, we just started hosting a once a month Exalted Funeral talk show called Funeral Party on the last Friday of every month. So we had our first one last month. We got our next one coming up at the end of the month. Uh, we do giveaways every single time. It's Jarrett Crater and I. Jarrett's the project manager for Exalted Funeral, but also for Mothership and Troika and a number of other uh, yeah. RPGs. But yeah, they uh, they do. They are a phenomenal place if you're a zine level creator or an RPG. If you do bigger sizes, you know, you, they'll they'll absolutely get them. They would love to buy 20 to 50 of your zine probably um, at about 50% off. And so which is which is great um, as yeah. somebody, you know, before you do your print run, uh, reach out to them, see how many they want, them, Spearwitch, a couple other folks. But um, Exalted also does just a great job of curating community. They're the U.S. distributor for a lot of U.K.-based RPGs, like um, uh, Old School Essentials is primarily released through them uh, in the U.S. Uh, Troika, a lot of Troika goes through them in Spearwitch. So um, a lot of just really, really great RPGs, both small zine presses as well as medium-sized presses. But they'll also help creators run their Kickstarter. So if you want to work, if you have an yeah. idea for a project, you can reach out to them and say, I've got an idea for a game. I really want to put it out. Could you help me? And they'll help you through the whole project management process. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're very generous uh, with their rates and their exchange on all that. I've really loved everything we've gotten to do with them. And it was easy to partner with them for sponsored content because they have the same heart for the indie RPG scene that we do. And that's what they want to see as many great creators get support as they possibly can. So yeah, I, I love working with the team over there. So are they US only or do they, do they uh, outside of the CONUS? The they will rub into Canada. I mean, you can order it from them from wherever. Um, you always want to check local first. Um, I would say if you're in Canada, the two places you want to look first are going to be Monkey Paw Games and Ratty in Canadi is what I want to say. Is maybe that I was sounds right? I'm not yeah. sure. I've only read it. Uh, who's actually going to be doing Canadian <laughs> fulfillment on our project? Um, and. Um, uh, would be the first places I would look if you're if you're looking to order Canada, but they they will order they will ship to Canada also because they do carry a lot of exclusive titles that they produce also too, nice. and so um, uh, they but they have partnerships with a lot of people too. So um, if you're in the UK, I would say look on Melsonian first, and then if Melsonian doesn't have it, you can order it from Exalted, but they'll ship worldwide. Fantastic, so. sweet, awesome. So then, so I toaster dropped on Exalted Funeral, and now you've got down we go on game found um give us give us oh, this is your moment tell us what what we should like about down we go now you've already convinced me i'm a backer but tell 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 the rest of the crew everything you should like everything yeah. about down we go i didn't design down we go it's the, it's the first project we've ever done and you know you everybody kind of finds their space in the rpg scene and i think a lot of people think like i've got to be a system designer i've got to find or mm -hmm. i've got to find the system i like that i can hack and write adventures and i think we oftentimes kind of draw to one of those two spaces w what i love doing is telling people about other people's great games like i love telling them about my great games also too but i'm always way more confident in the fact that i've fallen in love with something else someone has made than i am about whether or not i just love the thing i made because <laughs> <laughs> I made it. And so uh, Down We Go was designed by Marcus Lindrum. I saw it for the first time about 10 months ago now in the Minimalist RPG group on Facebook. Uh, Marcus popped it up. I'd never met or interacted with Marcus before. Uh, this A5-sized image that was a character sheet and a rule set for a minimalist, a truly minimalist, uh, old-school-style RPG. And it 
had taken um, the the concept of class and stats and what I later came to realize skill also and deconstructed into four things called roles, R-O-L-E, which are kind of like archetypes, um, sneaky, mystical, holy, and bloodthirsty, uh, and then put this very simple, basically five-line rule set on there for how you play pretty much a full RPG using that system, um, along with an inventory slot and some basic health tracking and some other pieces like that. Uh, I said, I would love to just have you come on and run this with me. Marcus came on, ran it, had some other people from the, the OSR scene in Sweden come on and play it with us in the middle of the day. And I was like, I love this. I would love to see what, if you just did like a sit page of city stuff. And he was like, well, here's actually the dungeon I wrote. And he showed me the dungeon. And the dungeon was this one page dungeon but you could run through it four times and have four very different experiences running through it because they, each dungeon um, has four adjectives on it. Like it could be the flooded dungeon or the infected dungeon uh, or, or something else. And each of those things is going to put different monsters in it. Mm -hmm. It's going to put different um, uh, like uh, things in the rooms, different treasure. Um, and all that fit very elegantly on another one sheet. And I said, well, make a one sheet kind of city for me like give me give me the one sheet version of like what do we do that gives us the sense of economy and um and and just downtime activities so that people could actually like campaign through this a little bit if they wanted to and marcus came back like two weeks later with infinopolis which was not one page it's probably three <laughs> pages uh maybe four overall i'd have to go back and look at the book directly to find out but it was this constantly shifting city where each district in the city was basically a half page and they they every time you leave the city to go to a dungeon it shifts and the adjectives that describe you to the different districts change the gods at the temple may be different gods what the pleasure domes have in them will be different um and each of those things has a function as you travel through them but there was also the ability to then look at random encounters that would happen specifically in the city and it was this constantly twisting anti-lore anti-canon space that i was like this is amazing and i would urban crawl just through this to explore it over and over again, knowing that like, if I leave to go to a dungeon, I'm gonna come back and I may not be able to get back to some of the exact same places. Some of the districts are always there, but some of them you have to wait until they appear in order to be able to do, which might mean you get a quest at one point, go down, clear out that dungeon, but can't come back and talk to that person until two or three things later because they've, they're off wandering in the city and the city won't let you get back to that space. And so um, it's just been a blast developing that out over the course of the last little bit. So it's, the core rules all still fit on that one page. All we've done is add procedures for city city diving if you want to, extra dungeons if you want to go into dungeons, um, which, I mean, you know, that's what this game is focused on. So, yeah, so hopefully. Sure. Uh, but, you know, we've run it with tons of other systems. So you can pick it up. Um, and run Tomb of Immolation using Down We Go very easily. I know because I've done it. You know, we, you can run low lights like we're going to do on Sunday with Sam in Down We Go very easily because it's very clear what kind of traditional stats would map to certain things. Um, and so the GM doesn't actually even do any of the rolling. So they don't actually have to know the system even that well. They can just say, here are the things that are happening and players do all the rolling. So, you know, it's ideal that the GM would know the rules. They're not complex, but Levi Cone from Planet X Games has run run uh, Down We Go plenty of times on 
stream. And I still don't know that they've ever actually read the rules for Down We Go. They just know that that's the system that we're using and that Tony will answer all the questions as they come up. And then how to convert hit dice into the actual health points because we use a flat, lower lower damage scale for everything. And so um, phenomenal system uh, that I fell in love with. And I've just built a team of designers. We've got designers from, I was doing the math earlier again today, currently five five continents um and 11 countries who are contributing to the campaign each adding their own voices and that's people like aaron king uh did the factions and the faction rules for it which is another set of optional procedures which again the faction rules fit on a half page right they're they're an a5 sheet um but there's 10 unique factions that he made for the city and also clear rules on how to create your own factions they're very iterative huh. it's very easy uh our our friend from belgium uh mv created uh, 10 npcs that you can populate in the city but created a very great process that's absolutely beautiful absolutely simple for saying here's how you quickly create an npc whenever you want one um and here's how the party clearly knows how to interact with them and you as the gm know what they do or don't do um we're, we're working right now actually we're today we've shot up tremendously we're only 150 bucks away from unlocking our next stretch goal which is expanding the bestiary uh, a line in the bestiary is one line monsters are a name, uh, some some very basic stats, uh, and then a couple of special abilities you can choose from at the end. And so it's just one line. And so we're adding two pages, but that is dozens of monsters that we're, we're adding <laughs> into the, uh, yeah. the setting. And we're working with uh, BJ Reco of uh, Buco Juice Games, who's an RPGC creator, uh, to do that. And so we had Diego, uh, Diego Nor. Diogo Nogira, whose name I will always get better at pronouncing, uh, who is a phenomenal creator uh, from from Latin America, who's contributed also to so just tons of amazing folks who have come in and done extra pieces for this. Uh, some awesome uh, adventure pamphlets that are just those standalone pieces like you were talking about mm -hmm. for low life that we could add in as we go or a lot of the goals we're unlocking. Uh, and we've got more kind of unannounced things coming up. Other major cool thing on the project is that we've got um, Loot the Body um, is doing a dungeon synth album. You can actually listen to, to all yeah. four songs that are currently on it. And as of yet, unrevealed stretch goal at 20K is actually two more songs. And then we'll take the uh, the album cover. This is not a mock-up of it. This is just somebody else's. And we'll take the album cover and we'll do a mini hex crawl adventure on the inside of, nice. the, of cool. the cassette cover if we hit that Pretty level cool. also too. Oh, so yeah. the cassette's already in. It's available from the get-go. Um, but it'll get expanded and we'll do a little bit more around it if we get up to that, that level, Heck which yeah. I'm super excited about. So just... A great excuse to draw in OSR creators from around the globe to take this very simple, elegant system and then say, what's missing from it? How can you add your voice to this? Um, how can we make this bigger? Um, and as of yet, not formally announced, we'll probably have solo rules worked out by next week, a very simple Oracle system. I don't play solo RPGs, so I was like, I'm not going to design this. Marcus doesn't play solo <laughs> RPGs, but a lot of people asked for it, and we have some friends who do great solo RPG work, so we said, we'd love to have you take a look at this and figure out how you would do Down We Go solo, and so that's uh, that's coming up, get formally announced next week, probably. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that, that, that is becoming, I, at least... The sense is that that's becoming a high demand, uh, high value option for for the RPG side of things. At least that's my my take. Um, well, like Kinless right now, it's a Merc board yeah. Viking solo. It is just killing it. Like Chris has done a phenomenal job with that project. 
I was blown so let, away by it. Let's let's talk about Kinless for just half a second because we, we, we chatted about Kinless a few weeks ago here on the show. John, you brought it up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Kinless is a fascinating one because it's so low Morkborg, but it also doesn't feel like Morkborg, right? Like it's doing its own thing in its own way. And I think that's just a fascinating, I, I don't know, it's just a fascinating project all the way around. So. Um, and I, I would go ahead and make the comment um, as you were talking about all these like half half sheet rules and single page rule sets. Um, if you are listening to this and you think that, and, and I don't think I think our listeners are 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 of a premier breed, but if you're listening and you think, oh well, that that means that you know you probably threw that together in an afternoon. The, I find that there's like a there's a bell curve to how intense uh, like an inverted bell curve to how intense it can get to design something and once you're trying to get dense a monster down to a single line that's actually useful right mm-hmm. it gets really frustrating really quick it's I, I always tell people it's actually really easy to design a complex game um now it takes a long time it's not like it's it's there's not work that is put out there however a complex game tends to mean like we didn't bounce it. We didn't look at how mechanics interact with each other. We put a lot of different things in trying to hit different thematic fields, which don't necessarily create a cohesive whole. And there are a lot of complex games out there on the market. I would actually say most 5e hacks that are big books that are as big as the original 5e compendium uh, is are probably very complex games. They've taken what 5e does well and then said, well, we want to do that, but we want to tack on a whole lot of other things to it um, without any of the extensive ability to test a lot of those things that we might want to, which might still be a fun game to sit down, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't take the kind of attention to detail of like, okay, if we want to do have something that does the exact same thing, but we want it to just be 10 pages long, how, how do we do that? That's actually a much more challenging process um, yep. mm-hmm. than it is to say, we just threw a bunch of whole stuff in there to just kind of make it work, right? Um, and so um, and that's, not a, that's not a carte blanche on everybody, but I, that, that has been my experience looking at a lot of big book games is, well, we just needed it to work, so we, <laughs> we built this other thing in because we had the space, right? Yeah. Um, and so OSR games tend to jettison a lot of that stuff back out whether that's you know whether that's old school essentials whether that's nave whether that's down we go um, and really look at hey what's the focus on what we want to do here how do we leverage well towards that um and and what what are we looking to do and ours was like really solid dungeon diving um really good downtime focus all of it done in as minimalist of a way as possible and something that was infinitely hackable by the gm but didn't give the gm a ton of prep work like if you as the gm want to sit down and make your own faction you can but when i prep for a game as a gm i literally will pick whatever dungeon we're going to go to roll for the adjective on it roll 1d10 to figure out which faction is sending them down and then i just I just figure out, okay, if this faction is sending them down there, here's what they would want out of that dungeon. That's it. The monsters and everything else are populated by random roles also too. Um, you know, like I don't have, I can sit down 10 minutes before the game and prep in the same way that I would sit down 10 yeah. minutes before the game and look over my character sheet and make sure everything's in order from the last time and think about what do I want to do? So the GM and the player are able to both enter into that space. And the other thing it does is it lets the GM 
be surprised again. It lets the GM uh, be the arbiter, be the one who's who's in a lot of ways driving the narrative, but but using random tables and using player input. We have we have something we codified during our, our five week long public playtest. Marcus kept on doing this thing where he was asking everybody as we started for rumors. Um, and he would, it wasn't like, Hey, tell me a, tell me a rumor I should think about. It was, here's a rumor you have heard. What was it? So tell me, you've heard of these, uh, it's, uh, it was Gorks goons or something like that. Uh, was this ancient party of dungeon delvers. You've heard a rumor about the, their cleric whose name is blank. What was it? And then when we got down there, we would find the remains of that cleric and something that person had said about their rumor was connected to something we found on the on the body of that cleric. Or like um, when I run it, I'll be like, you know, what have you heard about the Watcher and the Watcher's Tower? And somebody was like, that he has an eye that he can take out of his body and it's and he, you know, watches people from a distance with it. And so they encountered a set of monsters later on, very high up in the tower, uh, that had one of them had the ability to remove the eyeball from its head and float it around and watch them as they were going um, at a distance. And so it's it's then me all of a sudden being like, oh, that's cool. And just thinking like, okay, where are they going to hit that at? What am I going to do with it? But it flips the mm. process of who's answering the rumors around a whole lot more um, and creates the, the players have some level of knowledge that they've heard. They've heard this rumor. I know how true that rumor is. And mm. I know what that rumor is going to look like in the dungeon. But it also just lets me be surprised in really fun ways by what they come yeah. up with and how that integrates into it. Um, and all of it can be done with very low prep. But if you're the type of GM who loves prep, you can take as long as you want to get ready to write stuff out, to do more. Like, we're not against that. We just like the ability to quickly get into and be in a dungeon and be diving in. And in the classic OSR style, watch how that narrative emerges as a player group, GM, and the rest of the players together. So, um, it seems like, so, so help me, help me help me kind of condense all of that into what the product can't be done. I can't, I, we did it in the game. I can't do it in real life. It's just all real good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let me, let me ask you this then. What, what's a, cause we've talked about a lot of like little half page things or it's a page rule set. So what is this book? Is it 12 pages? Is it, 24 pages what do we ended up with yeah so the the original plan was it was going to be 48 but to to 60 pages and actually because of some weird math things that are hard to describe on a kickstarter but some people got really into the here today it's technically one of them is 50 pages because i use the internal sides but then people complain because they're not actual pages uh and then <laughs> <laughs> one of them is, one of them is uh, is uh, fifty two pages to start, uh -huh. but the actual the um, the point we're at now because we've unlocked enough stuff. We're actually sitting right under 60 pages and then we're going to add the solo rules and then we still have more stuff to unlock uh, because we weren't doing the solo yeah. rules originally and those will be two pages probably uh, when it's all said and done. We're going to bump up again and so it'll end up being a near 70 page zine by the time things are done or you can get the hardback edition uh, if you prefer that format also too. Um, we're actually, um, uh, so it's, it is, the the procedures tend to be a half page and there are only there's like the the player character sheet, there's the GM procedures, there's the dungeon procedures, there's the hex crawl procedures, all of which are one page, right? But then you have 
spreads of dungeons and there's currently four of those that are in there you have spreads of hex cross there's going to be two of those in there um you have the faction rules which are only a half page but then you have the 10 factions which are four more pages right so you've got a mix of procedures which are really only about 10 to 12 pages when it's all said and done. Uh, and then you've got the rest of that are the options that you can use. Tables, uh, content, um, little bits of lore that you can sprinkle through to decide how they fit into your setting, rumors that you can ask as you're going through the game, other things like that that have been worked in through the core that make it a fuller toolkit for the GM to be able to play around with and have everything they need to be able to pull from. The best part is, even if everything's, even if something's not numbered, which it usually is, um, everything is in sets of eight or ten or twelve or twenty, so that you can easily just be like, "I don't want to pick. I'm just going to roll." You know, like, yeah. um, and so um, you don't you don't have to choose in advance, but you absolutely can just choose in advance. Sweet. Okay. Okay. That gives me a better sense for that. So there's a hard cover and a soft cover option. Um, uh, I'm sitting here on your game found page, and just to give folks a sense of what what is it. What is this going to cost our pocketbooks, right? Um, we are not afraid of drawing money out of people's pockets for mm-hmm. projects that we like. Not um, at all. This, this is nope. the podcast that costs everyone money. It's not a free podcast. We spend money every week. Um, you got things here, which I adore. You got like enough levels that there's numerous entry points for everyone, right? You got the right. Surface Dweller, which is five bucks, which gets you that core rules like print sheet print it out um and then you got all the way up to uh you know the hardcover with a t-shirt with some of those pamphlets um and a cassette tape you know and and even on beyond that all the way up to like i think you have a 200 level is what i'm seeing here we actually have we have a 500 level this is i'll give you some inside anybody who gets that 500 levels it's absolutely worth it it's a hundred percent something I would think people should consider. If you, especially if you live in the Philly, uh, PA area or the Gothenburg, Sweden area, you should absolutely consider that because Marcus <laughs> or I will come and run a, a game for you. We'll also run it online for you and your friends if you don't live in one of those two areas. Uh, but if you live near either of those two things, we'll come run it. Uh, which I absolutely think is worth it. It's it's enough. It's enough of all the things for everyone in your friend group to get their own stuff, uh, plus a full session uh, with us, like a half day session, uh, just hanging out and having a good time. Uh, but also the other the other advantage that sells is people are always scared of your highest level. So if you make your highest level a level you don't think people will necessarily pledge, it, it's always worth it when people do. But it makes your next highest level looking not quite so bad, which is our $200 level, our Liege of Infinopolis one, which we have a couple people who have done it there and a couple people who did it in our in our itch funding stage, which is basically anything as it unlocks, you get, because um, some of the stuff you have to go back and either add it on in the pledge campaign or or uh, or put it on kind of piece by piece. Um, but you basically can just set it and forget it if you get it at the $200 level. And then you get to, you will make an NPC out of you also too. So you get you, you get put in the game as one of the lieges of Infinopolis, an individual of, of great power within the city. Uh, and you also mm-hmm. get a session with uh, Marcus and I and a couple of the other lieges also too. We'll schedule some settings on some uh, sessions online with, with the upper class <laughs> members of, uh, of the infinite city uh, Infinopolis uh, at that level also too. But uh, for me, the, Forty-five and the eighty-five dollar levels are actually the sweet spot. So the forty-five dollar level is the hardback plus one of the pamphlet adventures, um, 
and um, and the digital version also too. The $85 level is basically one of everything we started out with for the most part. It's both of the starter adventures, uh, the cassette, the digital, and the hardback also along with uh, the t-shirt um, as well. And so, uh, and the t-shirt gets like, I've, I've got two, two prototypes of the t-shirt i'm wearing one of them right now if you're not Ooh. not watching us and you want to put that in the theater of the mind um uh they're absolutely comfy i love them um and if you're somewhere else in the world and you're thinking we'll have to take care of shipping we're actually going to be printing uh we're doing at least three print runs we're working on a fourth one right now because we're getting close to the financial break point where we can do a fourth one um and we'll be fulfilling from five different regions so if you're in the uh, if you're in australia we've got a fulfillment center and a print run happening in australia if you're in the u.s or canada we've got a print run happening in the US and we've got fulfillment in the US and Canada. If you're in the UK or EU, we've got a print run happening in the UK and we've got fulfillment happening in the UK and the EU so that you will only have to pay your regional shipping fees. You won't have to pay all the extra fees that you that won't have to buy three that, books so. to get your one book <laughs> correct, awesome. correct correct so um you know there, that that there, there's a lot we, like we lose a lot of money that way uh but we'd rather people be able to get the book affordably and that was a, it was a choice that we made just because we it's a book we want in people's hands and we were yeah. like you know what i'd rather triple the cost of this kickstarter at the start of it and go bigger than play small and you know just kind of hope we get to that level and so um i'm especially with a global team it just absolutely made sense to do as many print runs as we can um i'm going to try to work with um sagan down in brazil and even see if we can do an in latin america one that's just really it's really tumultuous to try to do that right now with some of the different things that are happening uh in country but i'd love to make it work if we can that's awesome that's a good that's a good objective i know quite a few people down in brazil that Mm. um would love to have more access to more rpgs in an easy way and that's that's a difficult ask right now for them so yeah and of course for people who like pdfs we do have the digital a lot of people were confused because we don't have the digital level laid out on its own one of the cool things about GameFound is you can build your own pledge so all the all the individual pieces that we unlock uh they go up as an individual add-on so if you're like i've already got the digital over on itch funding when you guys first did it but i want to come over and i just want to get the physical or i just want to grab the t-shirt or i want to get these these additional you know pamphlet adventures that y'all are releasing somebody can come in and back for just those levels um which is just a nice thing to be able to do that kickstarter does in a very clunky way but GameFound does in a very very beautiful very elegant very easy to access way so you can go in and basically say here are the pieces i want in my thing rather than having to say here's i have to just take these levels and that takes that takes th- like people were very confused they're like you don't have a digital level i was like we do it's 100 on there but if you just want the digital level just get the digital zine they're like oh, am i going to get all the stretch goals yes you're absolutely like i'm not running out the cheap version of the pdf and the full version of the pdf everybody just gets the full version of the pdf um and so it's been it's been a a lot of fun somebody somebody just pledged i don't know who it was somebody else just pledged uh but that means we are also within 70 dollars of unlocking another stretch goal i'm just saying it could happen on stream yeah yeah very much good absolutely i'm sitting here saying like okay how many of these stretch goals do I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I need to double check and make sure I'm a part of. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, um 
but yeah, we, we actually need to go and put on our, our graphic designer. He's Filipino based. He works with me on everything. So he did beards. He did I toaster. He's done every single game I've ever released. He's done layout for uh, Johnny and I've been working together for years now. Um, he's, he's the one who did, he, he did the graphic design of, with all the art on the page. Right. So that's all Johnny. Cool. Okay. Um, he's in, he's in the hospital with COVID right now. He's in quarantine with COVID. Um, oh. uh, and so we've been a little bit slow this week to be able to get some things up and done. Uh, his fever broke yesterday. He was fully okay. vaccinated. Um, he just got it and had to go into quarantine. They've got great quarantine protocols in the Philippines though. So he was able to get in. Get everything awesome. taken care of get the medical care he needs he's on the mend now um but uh yeah it's just phenomenal individual but we haven't been able to add in some of the extra add-ons since then which will be um silk rain which is our first point crawl which is by a brazilian creator uh role for tarask and um uh it's going to be uh spiders are dropping out of the sky in infinopolis and um, they are sealing things out of people's houses and running off with anything that isn't nailed down. And you have to go up into the abandoned towers above the city, uh, crawl across the rooftops and figure out um, what's going on with that. Hell yeah. Awesome. Uh, I, 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 I got a couple last things, but Troy or John, do you have anything you want to throw into this mix question-wise or anything? No, I think it sounds awesome the way everything kind of – it it almost kind of harkens back to me. Uh, I was a big uh, Warhammer Quest fan. If anybody's familiar with that game from uh, Games Workshop. And it kind of feels like that idea of you've got this... The For Warhammer Quest, it was there was a town that you would go to to sell your stuff. Then you would get whatever dungeon you're going to next, and you go. And it made it very rules-light. And you could inject as much or as little extra as you wanted to. If you just wanted to be, yeah, let's go and fight monsters, take stuff, grab loot, go back to town, do whatever, and go back and do it again, you can do that. If you want to make it full-on roleplay heavy politics and all that kind of stuff, you've got, you can do that with it. The districts make it cool in the city where... Yeah, I need to find somebody. I just talked to him yesterday. Well, they're not here right now. Hmm. You know, it, it kind of makes it. But they I, had I, a business here. Yeah, the business yeah. isn't here anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I love the idea that the the DM gets to be or the the game master gets to be surprised. Yeah, I, I, I I'm digging this. Awesome. Like I said, yeah, from, I'm, I'm hooked me, on any. I'm hooked on any setting or not setting, but any mechanic or you know, feature of a, of a game where I love the collaboration aspect of, of gaming and that there's traditionally, there's been so much that's been placed on the DM to run everything and have every nook and cranny filled with something, a name for every character NPC and a background and just all like, and I don't think all those things are really important to be able to do as a DM off the cuff because you're going to have different players player groups that are going to have strengths and weaknesses in improv and the things that they're really interested in and stuff like that but yeah i love the idea of um what do you think it is because that's what a lot of times whenever we run games that's not that's nothing that's super new how many times at my table have i not really had an idea 
about what direction I was going to take the game in. And then the players are sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. And they, they're talking out loud. And through that discussion, I'm like, oh, I like that idea. That's cool. <laughs> That's way oh, better than totally anything I would have come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, be- it's better, right, a lot of the right. time. And then whenever they when they get to it and that's what it actually is like they feel that's the gratification of ooh we knew that's what it was yeah well, take that's, that John yeah. but one of the like one of the conceits that OSR teaches really well is there's only one option that you cannot have for the amount of answers you can have for a problem and that's one right you mm-hmm. can't have one answer to a problem because your players mm-hmm. may not find it you can either have zero answers or multiple answers but those are the only real yeah. options if you have one you're going to be frustrated they're going to be frustrated and having zero is absolutely a fine thing i don't know what this thing is as a gm is absolutely great to put it in the middle of the room let your players talk through it let them figure it out and then halfway through be like i like that thing they just said all right that's what this yeah. <laughs> that's what this is now you know yeah um and then well, you ask them open, how did your how did your play how did your how did your character know that like you know and, and then leaving it open enough to where like the, the the example that you gave me is the one that really like that flashes in my mind where it's not just what do you think it is yeah I like that it's also what do you think it is ooh that's close that's pretty cl- I like that but it's not going to be the exact same thing so when you get to it they haven't figured everything out right so then there's at least some there's still something at the very end of it to where it's not like they followed the bed breadcrumb trail that they already knew the destination for. You know, it's like they they already knew what it was, as opposed to there's a twist to it that you're able to put on it yourself if you want to. So it doesn't have to be the exact same thing. So anytime where there, I can collaborate with the players to create the story and the narrative, and I don't have to drive the entire thing by myself. That's like I've, I'm I'm sold. I love that. I, lo- I love cool. that about any mechanic, and I've seen that more and more with like the the less crunchy stuff like I, my heart's always going to be in D&D but mm-hmm. uh, these uh, these other systems out there that kind of like strip everything down and say look let's just let's tell a story and not mm-hmm. worry so so much about positioning and tactics and this that and the other stuff and let's create some kind of a, a mechanic where it's just it's narrative driven and yeah, everybody right. has like this this their stakeholders in this in the story Right. It, somebody, somebody yesterday was like, uh, you know, I was asked, I was asked a question online, like, if you've only ever played D and D, why have you never tried another system? And one of them was mm-hmm. like, I want all the lore and everything spelled out for me. And I was like, that sounds exhausting to me. That means I have to know things. That means I have to get things right. That means I have to like have all these. Like I, that sounds like the worst way to play to me. And and that like that's for me, right? That's what I would I would never want. But yeah. for me. The other big thing is like I think so much of what OSR does well is techniques. Like it's even like so people are like, what's the difference between a procedure and a rule? I'm like, well, a rule is mechanical and you have to use it. A procedure is like, nah, use it or not. Like whatever, I don't care. It's just how we do these things. If we decide to do these things, it's hmm. it's a much lower threshold for that than for than a, than a rule, right? Um, yeah. And so the game has five rules basically um that govern how characters interact with the world and and everything else is a procedure um and for me that iterative process of we're discovering this as we move forward together is what i thrill to but you can take that and you can drop it into fifth edition there's actually nothing about fifth edition or any version fourth edition 3.5 that prevents you from saying i want to just i'm going to ask my players questions more about Mm -hmm. what this is i'm not going to like 
I'm not going to have them roll because there's no perception system in most old school style games. Like you describe the world around them. They can they can interrogate the fiction if they want to do that more as a GM. Man, if somebody's put a lot of points into a good build, it really sucks when they just roll badly and they should have known something. It's way better to be like, yeah, how many points do you have in perception? Great. Like you're you you absolutely notice this, this and this and give them at least one key detail. And when you're rolling anything anything other than a one is going to give them more details but you've already given them a lot because their perceptions already high or roll a d6 instead of instead which is what i would do in down we go and just decide how many more details you're going to give them because their perception is so good and i know that's not rules as written but it honors the mechanical effort the player has put into building their character um yes. in, a, in a way that doesn't make a bad dice roll have the same kind of derailing elements to how you're trying to operate your campaign. And and, so, yeah, well, I've seen uh, we've seen that already, right? And you're absolutely right. You can totally do that in D and D. I think when I the, what I want to make sure that I emphasize to those that are listening is the value in playing other systems is seeing what else you could do. You can still do it in D and D. It's mm-hmm. like I can take this part of the system that's not even it's not systemic, right? It's not it doesn't yeah. have to be a mechanical element. It's just the way that I run a game or the way that I present the world to the players that creates an additional perspective. I'm looking at you, Edge of the Empire. That's like the first time that I really looked at it. It's like, I'm not going to do any of this. I'm not going to do all the set dressing. You know, you right. enter into the, the cantina, hear a couple of aliens that are doing this, that, and the other thing. But then whenever things go awry and you need something that's n- nearby, I don't have to come up with every single piece of minutia that's inside of the, the cantina. Yeah, if you're looking for a space hookah or whatever, then fine. Maybe there's one that's there. And I think right. that that kind of like to your point, it's like it doesn't have to be. It's not a mechanical element. It is a a, a maturation of play right, yeah. between yourself and between the, the players. There's also like like I feel the need on a regular basis to bathe in some of these lighter systems as a way of reminding myself, because I think that like the noodliness of 5e and and Call of Cthulhu and some of these other games, the noodliness of it gets you into this mindset of like you are handing things to the players and they are reacting mm. to it. Mm-hmm. And then you're handing them something else and they react to it again. And they're rolling dice based on your mm. calls. And they're and they're waiting on you for the story because that's just how these games are designed by and large. Um, and then you get into one of these lighter systems. Uh, like we were talking before the show, I just played a, a Monster of the Week game. And you stepped in. And five minutes into the game, I was a player in that one, but five minutes into the game, the DM didn't, he could have walked away from the table at that point, right? Yeah. Like, like the the players had it, right? We were like, all right, we got this. Let's just, let's just keep going. And, um, and he become, he became more of an adjudicator and just a, like, uh, a soft flow guide, right? Where he's, mm. he's, he's dropping things into the conveyor belt every right. so often but but we as the players were moving the story along for them right and that which is yeah which is so great because then when the gm wants to add a detail to player action it doesn't feel like railroading it feels like enhancing the narrative like yeah mm. when you're letting your players name things about the setting and then all of a sudden you want to say yeah as you do this you kick off and xyz happens as your body twists through the air before you stab right into that eye like the player no longer goes like 
wait, isn't that my choice for how I do that? They go, well, no, I just, I just described 50% of this scene. If all they're describing is how awesome it looks when I kill this thing, like that's fine. And, and you'll start to have this very interesting flow of my player is my primary focus, but we're all speaking into things that each other are that each other are doing and yeah. inviting a bigger narrative out of that point. And um and in and, 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 and fifth edition just doesn't do that well in the way that it's written. Like three point mm. five actually does that pretty well. Four actually did it pretty decently. Um there's something about fifth edition play, I think mostly in the way that it's modeled online, um, where we see a lot of that kind of falling out and people not realizing this is a this is a conversation we can be having and here are techniques for how we can do that and yeah a lot of those rules light systems absolutely are places you should go and pull things from um we have a guy who who played patchwork world that game i talked about at the very beginning for the first time ever the other night and he was like just blown away by the question systems giving bonuses and he's like i 100 now feel able to if my player is like a point away from success on something I think they should have been able to do, just asking them to answer a question about the action and how mm. it matters to them in order to get them up and over that. Because I think that's totally a fair thing for me to incorporate and asking like, what's your motivation? Or, you know, why, yep. like, you know, you know, like as you stab him, like what's, what's the thought that's going through your mind? Like, you know, like asking them to dig a little bit deeper into the role playing part and just bumping that up in the same way that you would for inspiration or other things like that. Um, absolutely is a valid technique to incorporate into any game, even if it's a completely different system. Right. And for value, right. I, I, that's, I think that's an important part of it. like the players incorporation or input their value into the game right. supersedes a die roll right. to me, right? In order being locked into success or failure sometimes by the die rolls, if the player has invested themselves into it and they've brought enough value through their uh, engagement and their description and all this other stuff, that deserves equal reward to any critical success that they get where they roll a 20 on a die, if not, if not more so. Because to right. me, that like... We can play a game where we just roll die and we move things around on a on a on a board. That's a board game. Or we can we can role play that. We can, this can be an actual role playing game, and we're generating the narrative together. And I need something to make sure that the players understand that there's their value is is valuable. It's like their in their input is valuable, and I want that as a part of it. So it's the carrot that you dangle in front of them to say, keep doing this because this is good for us. If we continue to do uh, go down that path. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and like for me, the other big time that happens is like, do that during downtime. Like, let your players be thinking about what's going to happen the next session mm -hmm. between sessions. Like, give them, you're going you're gonna to end up in this town. Here are going to be a couple of things you can do. You can do whatever you want, but like, here are three mm -hmm. things that are going to present. Be thinking now about how your character is going to feel of coming into this space, where they're at based on where we were and where we're headed next how they're gonna approach these things. Because I think when we can give them a little bit more space, they can come to the table with a lot more ideas that we can start weaving in and making a better play session, regardless of system. Um, and I, I love being able to say like, you know, like some systems will even have like a next time on and you, you like you might narrate like a little mm -hmm. encapsulating or closing scene or give a little bit of a, a taste or have even having them say like, hey, we're gonna be in a city like, um, you know, like I know you wanna sell things like give me, Give me like one interaction that you're going to have with 
with the you know the blacksmith right now. Let's go ahead and do that scene right now. Then we'll look forward to it happening the next time around. You can create this really built an- anticipation. And then when you get to that moment, you've already acted out. You're like, and this is the scene from last month. Let's you know, like from last uh, session, like da da, and just go into it, right? So, mm-hmm. looking at how you move those things around, like I I always start players in media res. So like when I'm running down, we go. We always once we figure out who's going to hire them, what the dungeon they're doing. I will narrate them standing at the threshold of that adventure, ready ready to enter into it, right? And then we will flash back to them getting the job, doing mm-hmm. all the city stuff, and coming back up to that moment. So they already have, like, this is the big, like, wide-eyed, the tower is stretching over you, the crypt is is you know yawning in front of you and the ground as steam rises all around you whatever um and then you know I'll, I'll describe a lot of the different sensory details and then it's like but that's let's go back a few days and figure out how you got here and it totally changes the tone as they're walking up and thinking through things because they have a vision for where they're going right yeah. um and messing with time a little bit in that way there's not a, there's not a system in the world for the most part. Some will say start in media res, but very few will tell you play with the flashbacks in this way. And for me, it it points us this is where we're going, and this is where you're going to end up. How you get here is totally up to you. Um, and I don't even necessarily won't even describe your characters because one of them might die on the way, and down we go. Um, <laughs> like, yep. uh, but we know that there are four people standing here ready to go inside. So uh, at some point in the last couple of seconds, while I was talking, we did cross over. I just was going to say, unlocking there you go. one more. So uh, awesome. Yeah, awesome. So uh, uh, I, I'll. Um, uh, I was adding my uh, my own add-ons uh, during our discussion here, and uh, that expanded bestiary was too tempting to push us over the edge on one way or another. Jeez, um, I feel like we could talk. Listen, Tony, like you have a standing <laughs> offer um, to to pop on and make us have an hour long episode whenever you'd like. Um, yes, indeed. Th- this is uh, this is like I feel like we could talk about down we go a lot because there's a lot of different bits about this that I find fascinating. We've talked about some of them, but but I really am like, you know, I would love to chat about different procedures and and how all those procedures work and how you handle downtime in a meaningful way because that's not something that the five e crowd we have great answers for all the time, right? right. So that would be a great mm-hmm. thing to discuss. Also, we really didn't get into game found. Um, as a platform, and um, maybe we'll just have you on at some point and just talk about, uh, you know, for the intrepid creator who's looking at maybe where to put their product, where we where they should go. Yeah, um, when uh, when we switch over to Pledge Manager, happy to come back on and even walk through like, here's what it was like pre- beforehand, here's what it's yeah. like afterwards, mm-hmm. here's how we transferred it over. Um, would love to do that. Also, if you all ever want to just play, I'm happy to come back on and okay. run for the oh, yeah. all sometime. Um, but you know, on, on a normal night or on a completely different <laughs> night, uh, sessions it. sessions if they're played quickly with with a player, team of three are they're they're a two hour process like they don't cool. take forever. You know, I would um, I would really so love that. that. Really yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. We had some requests in our um, in our chat actually today asking us to do some actual plays and post them up. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll maybe we'll try to make that happen. Um, we had the idea of talking about settings at the end of this, but I think that this is actually like <laughs> sitting there now. I'm like, well, Oops. we kind of talked about settings with Infinopolis, um, and if we dive into that now, I know we'll be here 
at least another half hour, 45 minutes. And, and I'm not going to do that to any of any of our listeners or, or us. Um, so, Tony, I guess this is the part of the episode where you tell folks where they can find you and, and the easiest route to get to your uh, crowdfunding campaign. Uh, yeah, the best thing to do is just go to ttrpg.link, like tabletop role-playing game.link, as if it was a link you were going to on the internet, slash DWG live, like down we go, the campaign is live. So ttrpg.link uh, slash DWG live is the best place to go, or just find us at plus one EXP on Twitter or on Facebook or any other number of places, uh, and there'll be a link either in our link tree in the description or pinned at the top. Uh, for that um we want to make it easy as people as possible to go ahead and uh and find us there um you can find us on twitter at all or, or on social media at plus one exp across the board you can check out our past games our upcoming releases all that stuff at plus one exp.com uh, but if you go back the campaign at any level like there's not a dollar campaign pledge level which i'm a huge advocate for a couple reasons for that um game found it you can do it at a dollar but it doesn't make it as easy to like I want to give a dollar to whatever so there's no reason to make that pledge there is that option down below anything you give to help and if you can't back just sharing it with people is absolutely appreciated again that's ttrpg.link slash dwg live awesome very awesome. cool um i know we're gonna have you on again uh look forward to it i also look forward to uh collecting down we go when can people expect down we go is it december that's when you're hoping so to kick it out. I think I put on some of there somewhere between December and January, which we're still on track for currently because um, cool. we're we're sitting pretty um, the right now. Most of the content that was not stretch goal content is written. We had a couple people who had real life situations that needed a couple more weeks. Those will all be finishing up in the next week and a half. Uh, Walton Wood, who's our phenomenal editor, he runs uh, Ex Libris Morkborg, uh, is um, going to be doing all of the editing for that over the course of the rest of the campaign. We'll get the follow up content in October from all the stretch goal contributors. Uh, that'll get edited in November. Hopefully, it'll go to print in November, depending on where you are in the world and how the shipping processes take. If we are ready to go by December 1st, it will ship out to those regions. If they are not ready by December 1st, we will not ship until after the holiday so we don't have to deal with missed packages due to flooded shipping lanes. And so that'll be by the end of January, but somewhere within that range. Cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, folks, if you enjoyed this interview with Tony, uh, I would encourage you to, like Tony said, but also share this podcast episode with your friends and family, uh, and also, especially your nerdy friends and family. Uh, you can also like and review, give us some ratings on iTunes and the other uh, podcasting feeds. That helps this episode and the rest of our episodes uh, be seen by more and more people. Uh, if you have questions about this episode, questions for Tony um, that you want to kind of filter through us, or if you just want to talk to us about TTRPGs or D&D or Down We Go in general, you can head on over to Facebook and send us a message there, or you can come over to our Bite Size Gaming uh, community channel over on Discord, uh, and uh, Troy will drop a link into chat. I think he typically does that, and uh, we will... Uh, We'll welcome you on board. We have a nice, lovely chat here uh, in the Discord space, especially um, uh, in the crowdfunding corner where we get to show off all the goodies like we did tonight. Um, and we also, uh, every once in a while, pop into the Hangout chat, and you can come just chat on a Tuesday with Troy and myself or John or whoever's in and around. So we'd encourage you to be a part of that community. Uh, Tony, 
Troy, John, thanks again for coming and hanging out with me. And we'll see you Have a great game, everybody. Gotta stay safe out there.